Hey y'all, it's your girl Lachey. You're tuning in to Black Lights Podcast, where we're dropping gems and lighting the path forward. All right, y'all, we're back. Welcome to Black Lights Podcast, where we're here to light the path forward. It's your girl, Lachey Boomacray, Director of Strategic Accounts for R.G. Berry Deer Farms, and I'm here with my co-host. Dion Walcott, the Director of Partnerships for Pencil Lewis College. Super excited today to have my homie, good friend, um, someone that I looked up to that continues to share a game with me, so I'm excited for him to share a game with everybody. DB, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is David Ballin, uh, Senior Creative Strategist for Puma. Um, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Lachey. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So take us back. Um, you know, you are definitely respected in the game, highly respected in the game. Uh, but take us to day one. Um, and what does that look like for you with reference to your professional journey? Uh, so, I mean... My professional journey actually started before I was ever a professional. Um, you know, um, I, I, I say this all the time, I do right now in my life what my 11-year-old self wanted to do. Not many people can, can say that. Um, so for me, it really started, um, you know, when I was, you know, in middle school. Um, I got my first pair of Jordan 11s and um, they had patent leather on them, which blew my mind. Um, <laughs> And I, th- I thought to myself, like, who came up with this? Because uh, before that, you know, I'd never only seen patent leather on dress shoes. So, you know, that kind of sparked my interest. I mean, I was an avid sneaker collector growing up, did a bunch of stuff. Um, but then, I, you know, I was, a, I was a decent basketball player. I went to college to play basketball. My senior year, uh, you know, we were uh, sponsored by New Balance. Um, and we got into um, some of the conversations about sneaker stuff and things like that. Uh, which furthered my interest. And then eventually, um, when I was graduating, um, New Balance uh, reached out and, you know, recruited me. Um, went through some interviews and ended up there, which, I mean, I, I was I love Puma, but I would say this, I couldn't have started at a better place than New Balance. Um, for me, it was, um, you know, an experience that allowed me to find myself within the industry. Um, one of the great things at New Balance while I was there was, um, you know, you st- many people start off in customer service. I was in customer service, but mm-hmm. they use customer service as a feeding ground um, for um, basically every department. So you have these internal internships or I think they call them work share programs mm-hmm. where you can get like, you know, six months assignment, three months, however long these projects are. And um, you do it in different departments. You shadow different people in different departments. And that's, that's kind of how I found my, my space, right? I mean, I knew I loved product. Um, but I had uh, a lot of passion for the business side of it too. Um, and that's where I found myself in merchandising, which is where I built, you know, most of my reputation in industries in the merchandising uh, world. So um, actually, funny enough, when I started merchandising at New Balance, there was no merchandising department. What? <laughs> really? I, that's I, crazy. There was none. I was the first merchant. Um, and so, you know, that that came with, some some positives, some pros and cons, you know, I mean, there was no career path, 
but then there was no structure really. You yeah. could, you could figure things out. So <laughs> chaos and opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it allowed me to to experience um, a lot of different things. Um, so, um, but then around 2011, um, a friend of mine, um, very good friend of mine, who started in customer service with me, um, went to Puma. Um, and he recruited me to come over there. He was um, he was doing merchandising on the retail side, um, but there was some wholesale opportunities open. Um, and you know, I was looking. I'll say, this, you know, like I said, I, I loved my time at New Balance. There was some challenges there mm-hmm. culturally for me. Um, just and and I, I say it like this: it's just they didn't see the marketplace the way I saw the marketplace, right? And where they were at the time. Um, they were focused on things that I was not necessarily passionate about, right? Mm-hmm. They've come a long way, I mean, um, but at the time they were not into the lifestyle space, they were not into urban culture, they were not that much into basketball, like all things that, you know, drive a lot of interest for me, um, where Puma had a lot of that stuff. Plus, um, they just, you know, the way it was structured, they had their merchandising department was way more developed, there was career path, like there was just, you know, a uh, uh, a lot of opportunity. Plus, they wanted to pay me some more, more money. Than I paid, so. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> you know, so, so, that, so that also that also you know kind of sparked my interest as well. So anyway, but yeah, I went to Puma in 2011, um, and I've been there since. I mean, I've I've primarily been in merchandising, but um, I spent time on the product side. I ran our region. I was the team head of our regional creation team in North America. Um, I went back to merchandising to become director and um, director of um, merchandising consumer insights, um, and that led me into this role now, where you know I lead our creative strategy for the brand. That is awesome. So in this this edition, it is it is working while black the corporate edition and and uh, how we move and navigate in those spaces. So. Um, is there anything that you can pinpoint uh, that you would lean on, per se, to navigate in this corporate space as a black man? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. you got to be resilient, right? Mm-hmm. You have to understand that every day, I mean, and again, I don't want to put too much of a negative spin on this, but the environments we work in weren't built for us, mm-hmm. right? And you have to understand that you're you're playing a game, right? And it's no different to me than you know playing basketball or I played football or whatever is figuring out how to win, right? Mm-hmm. And every game is it brings us different challenges, and every day brings us different challenges. And you know as long as you understand who you are and what you're passionate about um, and what your goals are, um, having that resiliency becomes easier because you can see the goal and you know. You know, you're taking the steps towards it, and even if you lose or like something to get, take a step back, or you something doesn't work out, as long as you have that end goal in mind, you know, it makes it easier to to go through the trials and tribulations of every day, and, and what we have to deal with. I mean, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to put too much of a negative light on it because I I, I feel like I'm blessed to work in this industry. Absolutely. Um, I, I, like I said, I do what my 11 year old self <laughs> yeah. would do. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. I told uh, there's way worse ways to make a living, so I, I'll sure. never complain about you know even the the struggles that that you go through. I mean, there's there's nothing worth doing. Nothing that's worth doing doesn't come with some kind of struggles or some kind of trials, right? So, mm-hmm. if you want to attain your 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 
wildest dreams, your biggest goals, you have to go through stuff. So I just look at it like that. That's awesome. It's a, I like to call it a, it's a stressful pleasure, right? Because <laughs> like you're going to be stressed, but it's going to be pleasurable along the way because you're doing cool stuff. Um, DB, one of the things I love about you the most is like we work in a creative space, like a creator economy, right? Sneakers, apparel, etc. Um, me being in partnerships, I'm always asking you like, hey, man, I got this idea. And he's really good at being like, D, man, like, it ain't going to work because of this, this, this. <laughs> no, but we laugh, but it's like he actually gives the answers versus someone who'll just be like, uh, you know, like, remake the deck and send it back to me. And mm-hmm. you're just shooting in the dark, right? Um, I'm always been curious, like, internally, how do you sell through culture when where you work, they don't necessarily understand it? Because, like, you're, you're the translator, Right, where you're speaking to hyper creatives on one side, and then you have to bring it to leadership on the other side and be like, you know, AJ stuff is gonna sell, and they're like, mm, I don't even know who AJ is. Like, I love to just know how do you mind map that to make that happen and sell through culture internally in our industry. Well, the first thing, and like you know, people accuse me of not having great work-life balance, but I live it, eat it, breathe it, sleep it. I do it all day, every day, twenty-four-seven, nonstop. Like, for me, it's it's more than just a job; it's a passion. And you know, this you and I have had this conversation. Um, I see myself as a vessel um, for us. You know what I mean? Like every day I walk in, I represent us. That is, that's inclusive of how I look at translating culture into business. Um, I had the privilege of going to a lot of private schools growing up, so I've operated in, in white spaces my whole, mm-hmm. most of my life. So for me, um, I've taken a lot of those experiences into corporate America, and, and I've spent most of my life trying to translate black culture into white spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Like being, trying to be accepted at private schools where you're the only black kid in class. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so um, I think my life experience has prepared me for that. But to get to your specific question, um, it goes back to what I said before. I know what the goal is. I, I have, again, I have the privilege to sit in the rooms with the highest levels of our organization. So I know what their hot button issues are. And I mean, I do it with Foot Locker all the time. Like, I know what they're, what they, what they articulate, what their strategies are, and I know, and I then play that back to them, and I give them the answers that they're looking for that are derived in the culture. Like, you bring up AJ. Like, this is a, this is a shoe that I'm wearing right now. Like, Foot Locker wants, like, we we've talked about it for years, and like, uh, and as a brand strategist, as a creative strategist, I understand, you know, the consumer and where they're going, right? So. For me, with AJ's, with the project that I'm working on now with AJ and Emery Jones, um, it's really to bring new levels of storytelling to the marketplace, right? New consumer experiences, because you know, as I look at the broad landscape of, of you know consumer goods and just what's happening in in, in just the marketplace in general. Um, nothing is what it is anymore, right? Like, so a toaster isn't just a toaster. A refrigerator isn't just a refrigerator. The toaster got to tell you what the weather is, yeah. like what, your heart, <laughs> what your heart rate is, mm-hmm. this, that, the other. Same thing with the, you know what I mean? So um, we have lived in an environment, in, a, in an industry where we've dominated culture for a very long time. The sneaker industry is as indelible a part of, of pop culture as there is, right? But 
we've done that through a lot of storytelling and creativity and things like that. Now, as the world evolves and technology becomes more important and, you know, you have AI things and this, that, and the other, you're going to have to give the consumer something else besides just slapping two labels together, doing a collab and a cool shoe, whatever. It's got to be more. It's got to be... It's got to reach deeper into their lifestyle. It has to be deep, more deeply connected. It has to be a greater experience. It has to be, you know, one of the things I've struggled for all the time in every project I do is that holy shit moment, right? Where, wait, can I say that? Yeah, yeah you, you good. already said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah, ask for forgiveness later. You good, bro? Man. So, so like you know, like where you're a kid and like you know you walk in and I've I experienced it. Like I told you about the Jordan Eleven. And yeah. I had that experience many times over, where you walk in and it's like holy shit, like who did this, right? And that's what I strive for. And like going back to this, this 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 project with AJ, I mean, it's shoes like based on a mixtape in the 50th anniversary of hip hop. We right. got stuff I can't talk about that's coming. <laughs> yeah. Later. Like it te- there's technology. Like we're I don't know if you guys um, know the history of the RS100 at Puma, but the RS100 was the first computer shoe ever. It could. It was built in 1986. It could. Um, it was the first like uh, thing that could count your steps, how many calories. Oh, all gotcha. It was mm. way ahead of its time, which is why it was so expensive. No one could buy it. But um, you know, th- with the evolution of the RS franchise, you know, I'm going to bring some of that technology back, back into the into the shoe. And you know, again, and this is the launch pad for it with AJ, with with Emery, with Rock Nation, with with our with our brand partners. You know, again providing a, a, a consumer experience that will be revolutionary in the industry. And that's the things that I strive to do. But again, I again, come back to your question, all of that checks boxes, mm-hmm. right? I know the boxes, and then I just pull in the elements that check the boxes, and then also, but do it in a way that's authentic to the culture. To the culture, mm-hmm. right? for sure. Like I make sure that AJ has a space to design. That's what I do, is I create the space for us to, to do what we need to do from a cultural standpoint. I got Emery, AJ, give them the space. I articulate it. I got to sell it. And trust me, I got to fight every day to make sure <laughs> right, right, that it don't right. go off the rails because, you know, when it gets into the commercial machine, everybody, every Tom, Dick, and Harry want to put their tell you what, yeah. tell, tell you, you what it and is and that. And it's yeah. like, that's where, you know, I've, I've spent my most of my career making sure that the projects that I do, you know, are as authentic to us as, as they as possibly possible. can be. That's awesome. So in your opinion because we see you doing what you're doing in reference to kind of uh, bringing in the culture, but how do we create more opportunity um, and create space in our environments and more like decision-making roles? Because we're bringing in the culture. We're definitely uh, what's moving forward in reference to design, but what do you foresee or or what do you think needs to be done in reference to making sure that we're we're putting ourselves in positions for decision-making roles? I mean, I think, you know, like I said, I see myself as a vessel and that's what I, I, I'm in decision-making roles and I I expect to be in higher Mm decision-making roles eventually. But I mean, I think again, it's continued, it's it's continued um, as a community building, right? Like we, Trust me, when I got to Puma, there was not a lot of us over mm-hmm. there, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was not. I mean, in merchandising at one point, it was just me until I hired a couple more black people so we could get some diversity in there. Yeah. But, like, I think there needs to be more of us, right? And there needs to be a more diverse cast of characters. A lot uh, For a lot of time in the industry, we were only seen through, like, some kind of design creative lens. Mm-hmm. 
and or some kind of ambassador lens, right? Like mm -hmm. we weren't seen as the stewards of the business, the people that could, you know, run the process. I mean, that's another thing with this, with this and I've said this to Emery and AJ, we have open conversations about this. One of these things, one of the, the things that I'm going to prove with this thing is that we can do a multi-dimensional project, run it through all the timelines, hit every box that they want, every mm -hmm. hoop they want us to jump through. We're gonna do every single piece of it and still deliver what we want to deliver, mm -hmm. right? Like, so, I mean, for me, again, like, to get into decision-making roles and, and create those spaces, like, we, it's, a, it's show and prove, because at the end of the day, they still, they're still pulling all the strings, mm -hmm. right? And, I mean, I've had many debates with some of my closest friends about this, um, you know, because some of, you know, I have some ultra-liberal friends that stay outside the corporate arena and throw rocks. Mm -hmm. And like I'm like, you got you're not doing nothing from out there. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you can throw all the rocks you want. Yeah. We don't hear it. Yeah. We don't hear it. Yeah. Like they don't hear it. Like until you're sitting at the table with them yep. and you have their attention and their respect, nothing you nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. Right. And the only way to get that and to get that seat at the table it's is to is to show and prove. Yeah. And like here's the thing. I don't work on art projects. I work on business opportunities. Yeah. Like now there's a creative side to it, but all my shit makes money. Yeah. That's that's the point, right? Yeah. It's I drive revenue. And I drive revenue and you at scale. Well. Yeah. You know, I yeah. don't do little art projects. I mean I do little art <laughs> projects. It, but only when only when Dion hits me. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean and I, I mean it's so true because I feel like, you know, ultimately whenever you do your job and you do it well, um, then there's uh, established trust. And I mean, honestly, I mean, you know how I feel about you, but once you establish trust, then it allows for them, you know, more opportunity for us because you've already knocked down that wall. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I feel like just a follow up question to that, like, because we work in a creative space and we're always usually driving like the AJs, the Emery's, the people who are creators on the actual product, right? Then there's a subset of people who are inside the industry and outside the industry that like they need to understand that you can be creative outside of being working on product. Yes. Like if you can share like two or three things for that person that's listening on how we need you actually in the industry mm -hmm. and what are the skills they need to develop or what are some of the pitfalls that they need to pay attention to. Because it's a very different space when you're like, like you said, creating opportunity and driving revenue. People hear that and they're like, oh, man, you just trying to get the bag. It's like, no, <laughs> no it isn't actually. No. It's actually more complicated because, like, you got to be able to c talk to somebody who's creative and translate it into making bread. Exactly. So, like, just speak to, like, what are the two or three skills that you always, you know, try to double down on? Yeah, like I said, I live it, eat it, breathe it, sleep it. So, I mean, I make sure that whatever's happening in culture and whatever, I'm somewhere in the know of it, right? So... That's the first thing, and that that means knowing who to talk to, building relationships, mm -hmm. like making sure that you know you're tapped into the culture, the people moving culture, the people talking about culture, like and and that means I mean sometimes I just go sit at a Foot Locker and talk to kids, like mm -hmm. you know what I mean, but you got to be willing to do all those things in order to put yourself in a position where you can have those conversations, right? So I can talk to to your point, talk to AJ, talk to the presidents of Foot Locker, talk to our CEO, mm -hmm. like talk to whoever in order to get um, the narrative that whatever project I want across the line. Um, I think, you know, for for people that don't understand that piece of it and they see the creative side of it, like just the drawing, like all that stuff, they have to understand that, you know, we have armies of designers, armies, like we have a million designers. That 
their job is very specific. They design, right? All the things that go around that, that take that design from just something on a piece of paper into something that becomes something you see in the marketplace that sells hundreds of thousands of units. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a Grand Canyon-sized gap between <laughs> that and that, and that's where you have to. That's where I fill in, right? Whereas I can translate because I understand the culture. Like I did the work, I understand the culture where it's going. I can take what is what the opportunities are from outside the, 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 the building, outside of our, our, our direct purview, pull them into the building and translate them into the language that we, that we have, speak, right? that we speak. I mean, every mm-hmm. corporation, I mean, trust me, one of the things going from New Balance to Puma is I have to relearn the language because everybody have their acronyms in this system, that <laughs> system. All this different it, stuff, yeah. Like I say, but like you have to learn those, those languages. And again, like I said, you have to understand your organization. You have to understand the people that are controlling your organization. Like one of the things that my father told me when I was young, he said, don't chase money, chase power and influence. You have to understand who the power structure is built around. And you have to understand how to influence them. That's the, that's the only way you get anywhere inside these organizations. Like you don't just go in there like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Big Willie style, just like, yeah. wow, wow. like you know, that's not how it starts. Like, you, you gotta, you gotta observe, learn, understand, comprehend, and then put all that learning and all that understanding into action. Like, you have to. Like, there's no way around it. And again, it's about the work you put in and how much you're willing to to have conversations, have difficult conversations, know that what you don't know, like understand that and learn those things blind spots like you have to understand where your blind spots are and how to fill those in i mean every day inside of these organizations the learning experience and because it always evolves right the market is always evolving the company's always evolving but as a person that wants to be in that space you have to evolve too right you have to continue to learn all day every day constant and never-ending self-improvement wow so you can think of a specific situation or just overall, but when conflict does arise, how do you navigate through that? Like what tools would you recommend someone up and coming to really make sure that they're honing in on? First and foremost, you can never let your emotion dictate your actions. Never, never, not, not in the corporate environment. You have to understand why you feel that way, take account for the, for the emotion, Right? But then you have to separate it and look at the, the problem in front of you logically. Now, the emotion's always going to be there, right? But like how you express it has to be controlled, mm-hmm. right? You can't, you can't just come off line at the hip. And like, I'm not going to say that there's no yelling. Sometimes there's some yelling. There's some, like, <laughs> Sometimes it gets spicy in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You have to do that. But like, that's, you have to use it as a tool. It has to be a tactic. You can't just be yelling all the time. That can be your first thing. Right. You have to understand when to. Um, and so for me, you know, it's just, it's really about, you know, more, how should I say it? It's, it's more about managing the situation um, and understand what your end goal is, right? Like the conflict arises from usually, again, in my experience, either some lack of understanding, mm-hmm. lack of communication um, or miscommunication. Um, because generally speaking, like we all have the same goal. We're trying to make money for the company. We're trying to sell shoes, Mm -hmm. but how we get there tends to be the conflict. Now you have to, you have to know when to push and when not to push. Sometimes you got to lose the battle to win the war, right? Sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to take a step back. 
Um, but again, managing the conflict is really about managing the situation and understanding what your end goal is, and then how can you get around the conflict or get get dissolve the conflict so it's not it's not impeding your path towards your goal. And sometimes again, it is just taking that L and be like, okay, guess we can't do that this time. You don't know how many projects I've I've worked on that when I first pitched it, it didn't it didn't fly, and mm -hmm. then you know. Over the years, we get back, and then guess what? Two years from now, then we get we do the same thing that I just talked about two years ago. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So you just have to have it goes back to the resilience and all that. But you manage the situations and make sure you understand your goal and what the issues are within it. I have another question, if I can. Um, so you you do you work you breathe you you sleep this, um, and I'm sure it's it gets exhausting at times too. So you've been in the game, you've been in the industry for quite a while. Um, what has made you endure all of this and continue to stay in the industry? It's a passion. I mean, yeah. You, you so know. passion since you were eleven. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a passion. I mean, look at there's there's no greater joy for me, you know, in my professional life than walking around and seeing people wearing the product that I worked on, right? And that because again, for me. It takes me back to that that childhood me, that 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 young me that sat with the Jordan Eleven was like, who did this? You know what I mean? And like, I I want I want my product to invoke that that emotion in the people that buy it. And like when I see them wearing it, or even I, I sit in the stores, I see people pick the stuff up, and like they're like, oh, you know what I mean? That's that's what keeps me going. I mean. Obviously, like there's perks to the job and stuff like that. But to your point, it gets exhausting. Trust me, traveling, doing all this stuff, mm -hmm. hopping on planes, doing all this stuff. There's like the glamour you see in it, but it's it's tough too. So, I mean, you got to be passionate about it to do it as much as I do. I think for me, you know, for as long as I've known you, you've always continued to evolve and, and go to a higher level. Um, have you ever experienced like imposter syndrome where you feel like, yo? I'm the only black dude here. Like, you know, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> yeah. to be honest, like, like when I sit in some of those rooms, and like, you know, again, I sit with our with the president of our company, like all this stuff. Sometimes, yeah, you do take a step back because you remember being that 11 old, 11 year old kid and being like, I don't know who let me in this. Room. Right, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, who let me make this? <laughs> me. <laughs> like, but then, like, you know, I mean, I think for me. Like, it, it's gotten to a point now, like, even when you have those realizations, then you have to snap back and be like, no, I belong here. I worked, I earned this. Mm -hmm. I'm not in this room because somebody gave it to me, which there's people in that room or there because somebody gave it to them. Yeah, for right? real, like, for you real. Know I mean, like, they were born into it. Trust me, I worked at New Balance. There's people born into it. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? It was no disrespect to them. I love those guys, but, like, but like they were born into it. Everything that I have in this industry, I earned, mm -hmm. right? And I remind myself every time I walk into that room, I deserve to be there. So, like, the imposter syndrome doesn't, like, at least now in my life, like, I don't even think about it because... Mm -hmm. No, nah, I don't have time for that. Yeah, I mean, like that's and that's why I th that's why I ask because I feel like where you are now, for sure, you could flex it because you know you have the tools internally to be like, that's just a feeling. Rub it off, keep it pushing. But like your younger self, how would you push through, right? Because like I can remember where my first time being like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Am, am I supposed to say this? Exactly. Am I supposed to say no, or am I just supposed to be happy I'm here? And then I eventually, you know, and I'll bump that. Like I'm gonna do my thing. But like, think about your earlier version when you had to figure it out. Like, share that side. Yeah. So I mean, I would say my younger self. Look, I, 
I'm Jamaican, right? <laughs> you could be real yeah. with it. Yeah, so I'm like, have you always been here, confident? Right? Yeah. It's so, so, <laughs> right. so, you know, I already like, know what that means. <laughs> yeah. so, so, I don't really, I don't really get into the whole like lack of confidence thing. Like, I don't, I don't have that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have self doubt, like in projects or whatever. But I don't ever lack confidence, right? Like, I mean, again, and I grew up playing sports. I miss a hundred shots. I'm still shooting. Like, you know what I mean? I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think about, you can't focus on on the things that you aren't and the things that aren't happening. You have to focus on what you have and what you can do with that, right? Like, so I've never thought about myself of lacking, even when I was lacking skills or whatever or knowledge or whatever, I never thought of myself as lacking. I just play off the strength that I have, right? Like, I put, I mean, it's like playing poker. You play the card you have. I could bluff you into folding your hand with nothing in my hand. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes. And that's a skill set. That's a skill set. And sometimes getting through these conversations, you are bluffing the hell out of these things. And that's like, real. That's but, real. That's real. That's real. You know, you gotta, sometimes you got to speak it into existence, you know? So. But is there... Is there anything that you would would have done differently? <sighs> That's a tough one, right? Because like I look at I look at my situation now and I, again I'm thankful for it. So I don't I don't I, I think if I would have changed things I, ne- I wouldn't necessarily be in the same situation, but if there was something to change and I was I would just make this as a broad statement, I would be more open to taking more risks. That might be my. I'd be open to taking more risk. I mean, even past the risks that I've taken out. But like, I think about pri- like things that I should have pushed harder on. Things that because like, then I see other brands do it, and I'm like, yo, we could have. We could have did, did that. Did that. <laughs> like, you know I mean? But like, that's the only thing really. Like, be less afraid to fail. Like, you know what I mean. Like and it, again, it's all about showing and proving. You gotta figure things out. But I think in my my younger years, I took I took I don't want to say the easier path because I definitely challenged the status quo. But I think I could have challenged even more Got than it. I did. Pushed the need even harder. Yeah, pushed it even harder, even faster. All right. So, advice for up and coming talent and black leaders. What resources would you encourage one to utilize to help with their professional development in this industry? Oh, first and foremost, definitely get a mentor. Um, You know, find someone who has a shared experience um, or has some skill set or knowledge that you you want to emulate, you want to learn from. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, And I've had, you know, quite a few mentors in this industry. Um, different aspects, um, but having a, a, a basis of, of you know a kind of a personal you know board of directors, if you want to call mm-hmm. it, that you can tap into um, that can help. And, and and a lot of it's not even like them putting you in a position, but them actually talking to you about how to get yourself into that position, um, you know, helps a lot. I think there's also a lot of resources out there in terms of 
in terms of, you know, especially now, um, the internet, like in like, you know, courses you can take, things like that to improve your, you know, public speaking skills, your, your, your email etiquette, things like that. Anything that you feel that you're lacking. Because I know uh, for me, at least when I was coming in, um, I thought I was a decent public speaker, but I had to refine that skill because there's a difference between, you know, doing a presentation in your college classroom and doing a presentation to the CEO of a multi-billion dollar mm-hmm. company, mm-hmm. And, sure. and I and I had to, I had to, you know, learn how to 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 improve some skills. And I took public speaking classes, multiple multiple public speaking, like while I was working. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Um, you know, things like that. You you have to have some. Can I ask? Just I'm sorry to yeah. even that, but did you invest in yourself? in that way or was was that covered by the company because i think a lot of times too so both both yes okay both so um i'll, I'll put it like this i when i was at new balance i didn't part i didn't take a lot of classes you know what i mean like I, I but the one class that i did take was a public speaking course that was offered by northeastern um it wasn't covered by the 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 company or anything like that but i took that class because I wanted, I was in merchandising and I wanted to, again, like level up my game in terms of present presentations and things like that. Um, and so I did that. But then again, when I was at, at Puma, Puma's really good about the courses. Like you can, you can pretty much take anything you want. Like they'll, they'll figure out a way to get somebody to come teach it to you. Um, so I've taken a couple of public speaking courses um, and they have different levels to it. There's, you know, again, presentation to executives, there's presentation to large crowds, there's presentation, you know, there's a different levels to it. So I've, I've definitely tapped into that, um, you know, several times over. But I think you have to do both. I mean, if there's opportunities there at your organization, definitely take advantage of them. If they're not, that can't be your excuse to not, yeah. to not do it. You know what I mean? Like you have to find, like right now, like I'm taking all these classes on, on, um, on AI, and I'm about to take one on blockchain. Mm-hmm. But like my my company's not offering it. But like right. you got stuff is emerging. So yeah. like you got to learn stay this with the stuff. Time. Personal to, investment. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing I'll say this too about your original question about if you want to be a leader in this in this environment or in any environment, I think you have to first understand that. Um, and this is something. This is a quote from. Um, Bill Russell, um, his autobiography, but you have to understand first and foremost that true leaders live in service to the people that follow them. If you can't, if you can't, I can never ask anyone to do something I wouldn't be willing to do myself, right? Like that's just not the leader I am. Um, and the other thing too is for me, like again, and this is another Bill Russell quote um, that stick with me, uh, for, and then it'll stick with me for the rest of my life, is um, my ego is a team ego. It demands of myself the success of my team. And those two things for me um, are what shapes my leadership style. Like it's, it's, and it shapes my, my whole outlook on, on how I operate with inside the organization. Because for me, it's, you know, I grew up in team environments and I'm well aware that I'm, I'm only as good as my weakest link around me, right? Like I'm not, I can't do anything by myself. There's no project that I've ever done ever in my entire life, whether it's school, whether it's playing sports, whether it's in this industry that I did by myself. But I say all that, but in all those in spaces, I've been a leader, right? Like you just have to understand, you know, what that means. And once you understand those things and there's, and you come with humility and selflessness, then you build a lot more allies than enemies and it takes you a lot further. And, you know, you will become that leader that you want to become. Mm-hmm. 
That's wonderful. I mean, I think one of the things, you know, we work in business and we're pitching ideas all the time. You're on the other, you're on both sides, actually, people pitching you and then you pitching, you know, as much as we talk about how, you know, push through, push through, there's some buttholes that you got to deal with from time to time, right? And like, what's your strategy? Like, because you still got to get to, like, sometimes you just got to go through, right? And what's the strategy when you know said brand has or said partner has that butthole that I'm now going to prepare for. And like, what's the strategy for that? Cause like people just think like stuff magically happens where it's like, when you know, you know, it's there, it's a different ball game when you got to try to go through somebody versus like, I'm just going to wait it out. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's, it goes back to what I was saying. Like the whole thing is a game, right? Like it's, is you have to figure out how to play it, right? And in any given situation, there's scenarios and obstacles. I mean, if you play the game of life, like you roll the dice, whatever you might get, hit the bonus, whatever <laughs> you might lose money. Like, I mean, you got it. You you just have to keep playing, right? And to answer your question specifically, if it's if it's an individual, if it's an individual, then I surround them with with more people that are on my side. Mm-hmm. Right, on that's, side. that's a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. like it's just like I there's. There's not one project I've ever worked on that I can think of that there wasn't some naysayer in the crowd, right? There wasn't someone that was like, yeah, nah, we can't do that. But, like, again, it's about, it's like anything else. You have to rally the organization mm-hmm. and, and the people that, that can help support your vision, rally them to the cause, right? Like, that's what being a leader and le- leading projects is about. Like, there's always going to be that butthole. Like, I mean, <laughs> right. even, and on both sides, I mean, even when you're dealing with brand partners, like there's people on that side that you, like, trust me, I got into a fight with Sega about this Sonic shoe. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. That's why I say it's like, all, it doesn't matter, it's coming from many different angles. Yeah, like, like the Sonic shoe, because they wanted to do some like old generic thing. And like, I had a great designer, Kyle Clemenstrud, uh, shout out to Kyle, um, who, who, you know, like I, we had briefed him. I had briefed him on what I, what we want, and he came up with this brilliant design, like you know, taking elements from the game. The, we wanted he put 24, um, 24 karat gold rings on it from the Sonic rings. The thing was hairy, like all kinds of stuff. It was so dope. And then we were pitching it to Sega, and they're like, oh, nah, who's going to wear that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, what? This is dope. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, you know, and they, like, come back and forth, and they kept trying to, like, change. I'm like, no, nah, we're not changing that. But, like, I'm like, because, but then I, it got to the point where I had to break down sneaker culture to them and break down storytelling in, in our industry and, like, give them the facts and give them all the competitive examples and all the things. It's like, if you want this to be a collectible, then it can't just be some generic shoe. But like again, like this is where I said, then I surround then I got to people in their organization and showed them, right? And then they got to the other people in their organization. They and there was a domino effect. But it's about rallying people around the idea, showing them the whys, showing them the hows, and showing them why it's absolutely necessary to go down this path rather than whatever the hell they want to do. But it's belief in your vision and and like understanding what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you can get there. Like you have to know those goals, you have to know the end goal, you have to know the path, you have to see it. And like sometimes only you can see it, right? And you, But like that's part of my job. I gotta see it before everybody else sees it. And then I gotta get them to see it too. It's dope. So, you know, a lot of times, especially in the position that you're in, there's a, a biography that's written about you, right? And it's it's your bio, and you're saying this is this is who you portray. But um, 
what would you say as far as what people don't know about you? Like, who are you? <sighs> people don't know about me. I mean, I would say this. I think, I think people think that I'm, I, and I've been accused of this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm way more cold. I'm cold. People think I'm colder than I am. Like, I lack emotion sometimes. Like, especially in the corporate environment, I don't, like we talked about, I don't allow my emotion to be the, the decision, the ultimate decision uh, factor in my decision making, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think people think I'm cold. So I'm like, because a lot of people don't know me, they just know me in the corporate environment. One setting. In the one mm -hmm. setting. But like, mm -hmm. if you get me outside of that and we're not in a boardroom and we don't have to make you know, zero sum decisions sometimes, mm -hmm. then I can be much more open and fun and things like that. And people in my personal life know that side. But I think in the in the corporate in the corporate environment, I'm seen as a very serious actor. More serious than I mean I joke I'm Jamaican. I joke around all the mm -hmm. time. But mm -hmm. I take my business seriously too. So I think I don't show that enough sometimes in the inside the corporate setting, but I think that's that's one thing. I, I mean, I've heard it a lot. Like you're intimidating. Like pe I'm in, I, people are intimidated by me, which I think is crazy because I'm like I'm the nicest dude. Like mm -hmm. how are you gonna be intimidated by me? I don't know. Just observation too, because I think like even before I got to really know you, you kind of do have that like silent assassin. Like you just know you. <laughs> you he did not come to play. You know what I mean? So um, no, nah, I, I definitely respect that about you. But I also think that there's something to, um, you know, being serious about your work because we don't have time to play. Um, a lot of times our our you know again what we do is going to be representative for who comes after. Um, so I really do appreciate that about and that, you. And that right there is never lost on me. Mm -hmm. Like I know I'm not playing this just for me. I'm playing for the ghosts before me and the people coming, coming behind after me. Coming after for like, sure. It's just the legacy. We have a thing, like, you know, Ian, me and Ian talk about it all the time. Like, it's like, we gotta, sh we, what we, we're Jackie Robinson. Like, yeah. You know I mean, like what we do is going to set the stage for everything else. Mm -hmm. Like, you know I mean, we were the first. So we gotta right. make sure right. we show up. I think, like, even just on some black man stuff, right? Because I feel like, you know, we're labeled or branded as, you know, he's quiet, so he's aggressive. Or, you know, he's a silent assassin because he ain't saying nothing. But in reality, like, you almost, if, if that was the other culture, that's normal, mm -hmm. right? When it's us, it's like investigated and depicted where uh, yeah. he should smile why are you happy you know what I'm saying like, why? yeah I have a funny story about that like speaking of Ian so me and Ian you gotta understand like cause Ian's Caribbean too right so like we talk like we talk like you, like you guys rapping mm -hmm. yeah, and like, shout out to yeah, Ian yeah, shout out to Ian like, <laughs> so when we were in merch together cause he's apparel I was footwear like we get into debates about things, or whatever. But we talking like we talking about like, oh, is Bron better than Jordan? Like you know, like we and like we talk loud, right? Mm -hmm. Right. We're, right. we're Caribbean, right? Mm -hmm. And people thought we were fighting, like you know, like oh, they're so aggressive, aggressive yeah. and like all oh, this shit. And me and me like yo, like they're like, are you guys okay? Like they tried to mediate us at one point, like. We talking about me and this dude about to go eat. Yeah, we about to go now. get a beer right mm -hmm. now. Like, we talking and about? argue so and talk loud some more. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like it's never like because it's like we're on the block just chilling. Yes. Like it's not no thing. But in a in a corporate setting, sometimes like they see that as like this because they don't understand our That's culture. Mm -hmm. They see it as this overly aggressive way to communicate. Where it's like it was so normal to us that like, but we also had to learn. Again, I don't. We have to learn we can't do that in front of everybody. That's, yeah. mm -hmm. that's a skill set. Mm -hmm. It's a skill set. Like, then we learned, okay, 
we're going to talk about this. Me and you, we got to go talk about this outside yeah, the building, yeah. like, or whatever, in a room by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We can't have the debate in front of the rest of the merchandising organization. You know what I mean? So me and him will go hash it out, and then we come back and like, all right, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, there's a game plan. Here's the play. Yes. I feel like there's an approach to it, too, because I feel as, like, black men and black women do it, too, is, like, there's a certain element of it that we have to teach Right, so always it's like teaching. you're always teaching, and like speak to like how you approach the teaching moment. Because sometimes you just be like, "You crazy, you just don't understand," but you can't present it that way. Exactly. I mean, right. And this is where I, I'll tell this story because this one, oh man. So there was there. I, I don't want to go into too many details because I exposed some corporate stuff. But there was basically a situation where. Um, if you guys are familiar, do you remember when the H and M thing happened? Yes, at the t-shirt, yes. the t-shirt, and yes. all that shit. So <laughs> <laughs> let's put it like this: we were running down a path that was going down that path, and I, you know, but again, because our company is German-based and our product line starts in Germany, they do not have all the cultural context of like how what they're doing will translate into mm-hmm. American another, culture, right? Mm-hmm. Or any other culture, yeah, really. Like, culture, <laughs> yeah. but like, so they're going down a path. I got there. I got to Germany, fly to Germany. We were going through something like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Y'all can't do that. Like, you know, you can't do that. Like, just change it. Like, we can't do that. Like, it would. Anyway, but like, so I go back, whatever. We go back to the States, go back to Germany, come back. Still doing. It. I was like, "Yo, we can't do that." They just like, didn't get it. it like, right. and then then I started to talk to them about why you can't do that. Like, what that, what those images and what that name and all that stuff represents for the culture that you're trying to sell to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what it actually represents. And then, you know, go back to the states. They send the samples, and the shit was still there. <laughs> and so then I had to get on. Like, I wrote an email copied the whole, like literally the whole world, like mm-hmm. every product, the see everybody, <laughs> like this is not happening. Yeah. And like, so like that, that was the most extreme teaching moment I had to have because I had to like take them, I, that's where I had to express emotion too, like because I'm like, listen, like you have to understand what the visceral reaction to human beings that are your consumer is going to be to this. Right, and if you think me being upset is the is like the the crux of it, mm-hmm. you have no idea. You have no idea. You do this, and the wave, the tsunami of backlash you're gonna get. You want people outside burning our shoes? Go ahead, do that. But I had to get to that level, right? Like, cause at first I was just like, oh whatever. You know what I mean? Like we can change it, cause we change stuff all the time. And I don't know why. I to this day I still don't know why they were like hung up on this thing. <laughs> but like it got to a point where, and then like the CEO got involved or whatever, and he called me. He's like, Dave, if anything else like this happens, they don't change it right away. You call me, and we'll take care of it. So you stopped it. Yeah, and that's why. You know, <laughs> shout out to Bjorn, even though he left and he's at Adidas now. But Bjorn Golden, one of the best CEOs I've ever been around. So um, you mentioned it earlier. And um, as far as you're in a decision making seat now, you plan on being in more. Um, so what do you see next for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, right now it's it's definitely to be I'm not a, I'm not an executive yet. Um I'm one step away from being an executive, so mm-hmm. it's it's that's definitely the next 
the next thing for me, um, you know, run a department um, like at that level, at an executive level, mm-hmm. not at the director level like I was before. Um, and, you know, really continue to to provide opportunities for for us, for the culture. You know what I mean? I think, you know, knock on wood, we've, we've, been, we've had a good run, you know, and, um, you know, I brought in a lot of people that I've seen now grow into, growing in the organization, and I take pride in that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's it's doing more of that, right? It's it, the like a rising tide raises all ships in my mind, right? So the higher I get, all that means is I can elevate more people mm-hmm. and create the opportunities that weren't even created for me. Like mm-hmm. when I was like when I was coming up, you know, as a, we're living in an age where, you know we have we have this moment in time maybe uh, and hopefully it's not just a moment in time but an opportunity for black culture and and what we represent to expand beyond you know what they see in a rap video mm-hmm. or like what they see on the news right and i think for us that look, all the people that look like us in in corporate environments um you know we now that there's more of us too mm-hmm. you know we have to we have to take that opportunity to show and prove and make sure that we aren't a generation that uh, that we start going backwards, where the corporation didn't see our value, we didn't improve, and then we start going backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's where that's one of the biggest things for me is like just not going backwards, like making sure that there's more and more of us. Not oh, we got to this number and then we start trick weeding these out because we didn't show improve, you know? That's good. I mean, before we wrap. Um, me personally just want to give you your black light if you want to call it that um for all the work you do and like you know blazing the path forward internally sometimes people don't see the work because you're not forward facing or Mm -hmm. front facing but you're definitely doing some heavy lifts internally like you see some of these crazy collabs partnerships it's db that's behind that pushing the narrative pushing people who don't even realize that like he's doing it Mm -hmm. so like giving your flowers there and let you know that you're appreciated not only from me but from the whole industry yeah. um but broski thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your journey and even some of the sensitive things that you that you shared <laughs> yeah, today because sure. it's things that people really need to hear because like you know the culture listens to stuff but like they hear the hype Mm-hmm. Then when you get a chance to sit down with someone like you who's living it every single day in spaces that are white spaces. And I don't mean white like just because they're dominated by white people, white spaces in that like there's not much black people in them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So where do you get the information from to know how to navigate? Mm-hmm. So just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that and shout out to your homies at Puma. Yes. Um, there's two. There's a laundry lift, Marte, <laughs> Christina. Delena, oh, uh, yeah, Ian, Delena. there's there's a whole squad of people that are pushing the, the needle all the time. So, I mean, you know, Puma, keep doing your thing. And you personally, man, flowers to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate you. For those who don't know, he also sits on the board for Black Footwear Forum, um, in which we're, you know, our, our, our whole mission is to close the gap one step at a time. So we greatly appreciate you. You know I appreciate you, but I thank you for joining us today and uh, joining us on Black Lights. Keep watching. Keep listening. We appreciate you. Peace. Peace.